Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was just an ordinary police officer going about my daily duties when everything changed in an instant. I was responding to a call about a break-in at a local store when I was shot. I remember the pain and the confusion as I fell to the ground. I remember the sound of the sirens and the flashing lights as the ambulance rushed me to the hospital. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hospital. I woke up in a hospital room, my body aching and my mind foggy. I tried to move, but the pain was too much. I was told that I was lucky to be alive and that I had a long road to recovery ahead of me. I was alone in the hospital room with nothing but my thoughts to keep me company. As the days passed, I started to feel better. The pain lessened and my mind cleared. But at night, when the lights were turned off and the hospital was quiet, I couldn't shake the feeling of unease. I felt like something was watching me, something that was not of this world. One night I woke up to find that I was completely alone. The nurses had gone home for the night and the hospital was silent. 
I tried to shake the feeling of fear, but it was like a weight on my chest. I couldn't breathe. I had to get out of that room. I slowly got out of bed, my body still weak from the injury. I made my way to the door and opened it, my heart pounding in my chest. The hallway was empty, but I could feel something there. I called out for the nurses, but there was no answer. I kept walking, my legs shaking beneath me. As I reached the end of the hallway, I saw her. She was a ghost, a young girl with long, dark hair and a pale face. She looked like Samara from the Ring movie. She was standing there, smirking at me. I froze, my heart pounding in my chest. I wanted to turn and run, but I couldn't move. She started to fly towards me, her screeches filling the air. I turned and ran back to my room, my legs barely able to carry me. I locked the door and fell to the ground, my body shaking with fear. I prayed for morning to come, for the nurses to come back and save me from this nightmare. But morning came and went, and the nurses found me still locked in my room, trembling and pale. They asked me what was wrong, but I couldn't explain it to them. They didn't believe me. They thought I was just delirious from the pain. From that night on, I couldn't shake the feeling of fear. I was haunted by that ghostly girl and her smirk. I knew that she was coming for me, and I couldn't escape her. I was trapped in that hospital room, alone with my fear. I knew that I would never be the same again. I was discharged from the hospital, but I could never go back to my normal life. I was broken, both physically and mentally. I couldn't sleep at night, and I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. I knew that the ghost was still there, waiting for me. I knew that I would never be free from her. I was living a horror story, and there was no escape. I'm on patrol my first night on the job as a park ranger. I'm a little nervous but excited to be out here in the wilderness. The moon is full and the stars are out, but the darkness of the forest is a little intimidating. I'm walking along the trail, taking in the sights and sounds of the forest. When I hear something in the distance, I can't quite make out what it is, but it sounds like it's coming from the woods just off the trail. I decide to investigate, and I make my way into the woods. As I get closer to the sound, I realize that it's a low growling noise. I'm starting to get a little uneasy, but I remind myself that I'm a park ranger and I can handle anything. Suddenly, I see something move in the darkness. I freeze for a moment, trying to make out what it is. And then I see it, a Sasquatch standing just a few feet away from me. It's huge, and its fur is matted and dirty. It looks like it hasn't been groomed in months. I try to approach it slowly, thinking that maybe I can get a closer look. But as soon as I move, the Sasquatch notices me. It turns its head and locks eyes with me. And then it charges. I don't have time to react before it tackles me to the ground. I'm lying on the ground trying to defend myself as the Sasquatch tries to kick me. I can hear the sound of a car engine in the distance, getting closer and closer and closer, and then the Sasquatch turns and runs away. I'm lying on the ground, bruised and battered, when another park ranger pulls up in a jeep. He helps me to my feet and takes me back to the ranger station. But I can't shake the feeling that I've been marked by that Sasquatch. As the night goes on, strange occurrences begin to happen. I start seeing the Sasquatch everywhere I go, even in my dreams. I become increasingly paranoid and convinced that the Sasquatch is stalking me. 
I try to tell my colleagues and superiors about the Sasquatch, but they just dismiss it as a hallucination caused by my injuries. But I know what I saw, and I know that it's real. It was mid-November 2021, and me and about ten friends were camping in the woods in the Sawtooth National Forest near Petite Lake. There were two groups of four people in two tents and one in a car, and me and my buddy were in hammocks near the edge of the camp. It's about autumn, and we all had been sleeping for about two hours. I wake up to my hammock mate panting extremely heavily and yelling my name. I am confused and get up and help him. He is paralyzed by fear. He said that he had an extremely vivid dream that there was a black figure, tall and slender, trying to break into his car after he had seen this figure decapitate me and the rest of his friends. He said that he woke up to the figure near the car and saw all of our heads stuck on sticks throughout the camp. He proceeded. He said to click the car alarm button, and the figure began to run circles around the car in the stop then dashed off extremely quickly into the woods. I was obviously freaked out at this point, and I immediately felt very uneasy. But I told him it was just a bad dream and that he needs to go back to sleep. Him and I tried for about five minutes, both stricken with fear at this point, when we hear our friend in the tent begin to yell, No, no, don't take me. Sad note, we had not awoken anyone else in the camp at this point. This freaked me and my buddy out quite a bit because we had no idea what was going on. We were also very vulnerable in our hammock by ourselves on the edge of our about 50 yard across camp. Our buddy's yells proceed to wake up most of the rest of the camp, and we find out that our friend in the car that my buddy said clicked the car alarm of was awake. So all of us scared and awake have a conversation about what is going on, and the buddy in the car says that he heard scratching on the window and heard something pull a door. He also said that he had seen the black figure running around the car as well. We were all freaked at this point and decided to move into the same tent. Our friend with a dream also claimed a similar murder story to the friend in a hammock. The next morning we all talked and so many of us experienced what happened that night, six in total, that we determined that that it must have been some sort of being that was giving us nightmares. We called it a Wendigo, but we have no idea. Also, we had friends that stayed at the same site about six months earlier, and a few of them did notice weird things happening at camp at night, like feelings of being watched or feeling of a being walking around their tent. Strange stuff in the Idaho Mountains. What does this sound like, and what do you all think? I have worked at this job at this national park for now more than 20 years. I've seen a lot of strange things on the job, but this sighting is easily the strangest. I'm not sure what to make of it. The only thing I'm certain of is that I was not dreaming or imagining this. I am absolutely certain of that. I'm sure most people would think I'm crazy if I told them, but I know what I saw and I know what I heard. I want somebody to talk to about this for a long time. You see, my wife, she just simply doesn't understand. I mean, I guess I can't blame her. She thinks I'm nuts. She's never really been one to be into the outdoors, so she thinks I should go into law enforcement or something and totally off-rights the fact that I'm a ranger. 
I like being outside, though, at being with the animals and protecting the environment. I've got no interest in being a government worker who hunts down bad guys. I've had this job for a long time. I like the work in the area that I work in. There's just something about being outdoors that has always appealed to me. I was raised in the deserts of the Southwest, and I always enjoyed the climate. My wife and I, however, ended up divorcing soon after this. When we were married, though, she had a brother who was also a petroleum engineer, and his job took him through some pretty remote areas of the world. The places he went were breathtaking and rugged, and I had an interest in going with him on some field trips. But because I had this job, I couldn't just leave and disappear for weeks on end. Anyway, even though we've been divorced for a while now, we still remain somewhat good friends, and we've been divorced for almost a decade now. But ever since his divorce, he and his new wife, Angela, get together with me and my girlfriend, Lori, a couple times a year, and we go camping. Since I'm a ranger, I'm also their trail guide, and guide them into the far reaches of the back country where I tell them stories and show them things about nature they never knew. He and Angela love the Palo Duro Canyon, and so does Lori, so we pretty much spend every camping trip together at that same place. Most couples who camp tend to stay near sources of water, so we do too. Our camp is always a couple of miles from water, not so near that you would get wet in the rain, but not so distant that it would take an entire day to hike to the nearest water source. One evening, I was camped out by myself. My buddies had to work, and so Lori and I decided to camp at this place, and I have at the other end of Palo Duro, just inside the state lines. I had scouted out this campsite from the nearby interstate before we made the drive. I knew it was perfect. It's a rounded clearing about a quarter mile in diameter and a little more than a quarter mile north of the interstate. The place is a happy medium between too far away and too much hassle of water to reach. Some of the Native American people here have mentioned encounters with Bigfoots when I would chat with them, so I'm pretty certain these creatures come from the area and canyon. We also both love ancient aliens on the show history channel, and we have a talk about legends over the years. Some of them believe that it's just a bunch of Huey and there are not enough sighting reports or documented evidence to fully have substantial beliefs in this creature. Anyway, the campsite I was at was at an area between this rock formation that had a bunch of small caves in the steepest part of the ridge where you could hike up the thing and possibly spot anything wandering in the canyon below. Right by the place where I think that I pitched my tent and there's an old corral made of rocks where I think that people used to raise sheep and cattle, or mostly cattle, there's also what looks to be like cistern but I can't imagine that this is still functional and someone would take that much time and effort to build something and put it all the way up there. Whatever it is now is essentially a dry rock pond, but there are piles of old empty water bottles from people all over the country who hike and camp there and leave the trash. So this evening I was cooking a nice big steak to celebrate my birthday, and steak was not something we were almost ever able to cook at the canyon because we could not find a place to safely make a fire. As I'm cooking the steak, I start to smell something foul. All I can tell you is that it smelled like a dirty, wet dog mixed with garbage. 
I tried to sniff it out, but I couldn't exactly tell you where the smell is coming from, so I figured it was maybe a dead skunk or something. I mean, I don't know what the smell was, but I know what it wasn't. I've been told about the smell before, and I could tell you what I smelled was not anything normal. I've heard that smell described as a wet dog and running garbage, but I could also be something else. I looked around, but I just couldn't see anything, so I went back to cooking my steak, and I left the brush burning in the fire. I kind of just forgot about the smell for a while. It was a warm night, and I was happy to be out there. That's when I started hearing crashing in the canyon below, moving its way up to the brush behind me. I thought it might be a deer or possibly a coyote. I kept an eye on the brush, but wasn't paying as much attention to it as I probably should have. I was enjoying the night, or at least trying to enjoy my steak and thinking about the fun we would have the next day. Then I put my steak down and took my flashlight, began shining it around the perimeter of the camp, hoping to see a deer or a coyote and thinking about how we'd get a picture of one of these creatures. I thought about it more, and I almost wondered, are we being stalked by a Bigfoot, and I started hearing the sound. It was deep like a low-frequency sound but also kind of like a growl. I thought it was a coyote, but it was deep, and I've never heard a coyote make a sound like that. It was a deep growl that turned into a howl. I heard some more crashing in the brush. I thought I could see something, but then I wasn't so sure it was just a shadow, if you know what I mean. I couldn't really see anything clear, just enough to know that whatever it was was big and black. Now I was feeling terror for the first time this creature or being was getting closer and making all kinds of nasty noise. It was making these sounds It was growling and howling almost kind of like grunting. The creature was very close to my campsite and I was completely defenseless. All I had was a steak knife. I did not have a gun and I'm pretty sure it was watching me the entire time. I didn't know that until later, but it was most likely stalking me. I was feeling very afraid. I felt fear before, but never been afraid like this. I was convinced I was going to die. I started to shake, feeling nauseous. I just knew that if I did not get out of there, I was dead. I knew the creature was stalking me, and I knew I was a lot closer to the clearing than I was to the interstate. I didn't know what to do. I began to panic. I was too scared to run, but I also knew that if I just sat there, I was also dead. I knew that I had to do something, but I did not know what. I looked around, and I saw the brush I'd gathered to keep the fire going. I began to run, and I could hear the creature running behind me. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I did not know if I would survive. The next thing I knew, I was lying flat on my back. I must have knocked into a tree branch and knocked myself unconscious. I felt this thing approaching, and then I recalled some strange gibbering noises. At least that's what I would call them. It sounded like somebody speaking gibberish in a really high tone of voice, and that same awful wet dog and garbage smell permeating my entire nostrils. After that, I completely lost consciousness. When I regained it, it was in the morning, and I woke with nothing. I didn't know where I was, and after that, it would take me roughly a two-day hike to get back to the interstate. To make a long story short, somehow, some way after I lost consciousness, I was somehow transported miles and miles and miles away from the spot that I'd hit the branch and lost consciousness originally. 
Something or someone transported, or I assumed, carried me because that stink was all over my body and all around where I woke up, where I regained consciousness. The second time was in a small clearing and some brush. There were bones and stink scattered all around, so part of me almost wonders if it had taken me to its den. Although it wasn't anywhere around, but could it be possible it was planning on killing me or eating me? I'm not sure. I'm sorry if this was hard to read, but I did my best to put my thoughts down to paper. And this has easily been an encounter or an experience that has left me frightened and scared to fully fulfill my job. In 2005, I had to stay overnight at my aunt's house. I was about six at the time. She lives in Texas, right next to the border with Mexico. At the time, she didn't have a sea, so everybody in the house slept with the windows open for the fresh breeze of air. That night, I was sleeping upstairs with my two cousins. My aunt's house always had pigeons flying around. You could hear them cooing, even at nighttime. On this night, I had woke up at around 3 a.m. Something made me decide to look at the window. When I looked, I saw to what appeared to look like the top of a head, the hair being colored a yellowish-orange-red. That's all I could see, some nappy-colored hair. At this point, I'm thinking my mind is playing tricks. How could a person be standing there if I'm on the second story? There was nowhere someone could stand, being as if you were to go out that window, you'd fall straight to the concrete floor. Mind you, this window faced straight to the border of Mexico. It wasn't until a pigeon landed on top of its head that it started saying, Cheap, cheap, as if it was trying to shoo it away. That was when I knew something was there and had to wake up my cousins and aunt to tell them something was there. My cousins, being half asleep, didn't pay mind to what I said and went to get my aunt. Once my aunt came, the thing wasn't there anymore. That just confirmed something was there with it being gone once I told. When I was a theater study student in the Midlands of England, we had to take our little theater company on tour around the local rural countryside as part of the practical side of the course. Being a proper London girl, I wasn't best pleased with the prospect of roughing it. In a ten-person van, there were fifteen of us in the company. But for the sake of my art, I stopped being a silly tart and threw myself into it with enthusiasm. One day, we broke down in the middle of nowhere, and by the time the uh, AI bloke got to us, and in turn, by the time we got to the campsite, it had no room left for us. We had three performances locally the next day, and it had gone eight, and it was pitch dark almost. We didn't have many options left open to us. Our director said it would be best if we drove the van into the nearest forest and all sleep in the van for the night, as it was too late to continue driving around, and we had an early start the following day. We reluctantly agreed. We found a quiet part of the forest that was open with not many trees, and by 9.30 we were settled in the van, if a little cramped and cold. We were all 19-20 year olds, and it was a big adventure. At around 11.30 I was stirred awake by one of my colleagues screaming, and another bloke saying, This is so bad. We are so screwed. 
To my complete horror, through my sleep-blurred eyes, I saw that our little van was completely surrounded by about fifty, what appeared to be farmers, all with homemade torches, all burning brightly. I started panicking, but didn't scream. I couldn't take my eyes off the men. They weren't moving an inch, didn't have any expression on their faces, not even when we bibbed the horn at them. Two of the blokes even got out the van and shouted at the men, to the total horror of everyone else. Nothing. Needless to say, we were all terrified. Every time we tried to move the van, the men moved a step forward, and then it won. Thirty, all of the men suddenly just turned around and walked away through the trees. We were absolutely knackered, too tired to drive anywhere else. So we took turns in keeping watch in case the men came back, but they didn't. This happened only a few weeks ago. I was camping in the middle of nowhere. In a state forest, you needed permits to go into, and that sees only a tiny handful of people a year. We found a little meadow off the track and set up camp for the night, since it was in a little protected spot, and away from the giant trees we have here that drop limbs like mad. We had a tarp set up to block the rest of the wind and to protect us from rain. It looked like rain was likely, and we had one swag and one tiny one-man tent set up under it, and slept one of us in each. Around midnight, I was woken up by the sound of something huge nearby. I heard it come towards camp from the bush, slowly circle our camp, and then go back into the woods at the same place. It was giant. I grew up on farms and with horses, and it had a similar presence to my old giant warm blood. It was very slowly taking two steps, stopping, sniffing loudly, waiting, and then two steps more. It would have taken around forty minutes for it to do a pretty small loop. To begin with, I was wondering if it was a huge buck, but we had been around hunting that day and saw no recent signs of deer or pigs anywhere. There was no known wild horses in that area either. The person in the other tent didn't wake up, but they sleep like the dead. Still no clue what it was. I only told this to a handful of people in my life, but it's been really bothering me lately for some reason, so I thought I'd get it off my chest and maybe someone here will get some enjoyment out of it. I looked up similar events as to what occurred to me and saw a post from a year ago on here describing a similar thing, so I, I thought I'd share it. Take it as you will. A little backstory. I'm from Northern California, Sacramento area. All my life, I wanted to be a cop. Spar me your anti-cop comments. Political thoughts are ignorant bears regarding the perf- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fashion. After the Army, I got hired as a sheriff's deputy in the Sacramento area in late 2011. 
work patrol and was also on the CSI team as a collateral assignment. So I would work a normal 12-hour patrol shift answering calls and doing standard cop stuff and then go to CSI calls for serious stuff, self-harm and murders mostly. By early 2017, I was badly burned out and found a new purpose in life and quit. This story occurred in the end of 2016. I am not religious at all, but I am spiritual. The house I grew up in as a kid was haunted by something serious, and I have experienced my fair share of serious paranormal events as a kid, but nothing since about the age of 15. I was about 33 when this occurred. In late 2016, I was working day shift patrol in a smaller town in our county. I get sent to a Safeway grocery store to a report of a domestic violence which was occurring in the store. Being a deputy, am alone and have no partner, but I have backup that's coming, but it's like 20 minutes away. It's reported that a younger Hispanic male is slapping around a younger Hispanic female. It's over now, and they are checking out and not fighting anymore. I show up and enter the store and immediately recognize these people. They are Norturno gang members. You see them now and again in the area, but it's semi-rural, and these people mostly lurk in Sacramento and don't really come to the area much. We were like 30 minutes from Sacramento. I won't go into the whole thing, but I could just tell by how they were dressed and talking and appeared. Dude had some teardrop tattoo on his face and some crap tattoo on his neck. I knew what I was dealing with. They are compliant and say nothing happened and agree to come outside to talk. I pat them down, separate them, handcuff them, sit them down a good distance apart from each other, and start interviewing one half of the party to figure out what occurred and if anyone needs to go to jail. They are both sitting on the curb out front, the store with their legs kicked out facing the parking lot. My back is to the parking lot and I'm facing the store. It's about 13 in the middle of a weekday in a strip mall. There are dozens of people shopping and going about their business. As I'm talking to one of them, getting their half of the story and taking notes, clear as day I hear the most beautiful female voice I've ever heard in my life. It sounded smooth and almost like really, really good computer A. Like that customer service phone support that you can't tell is human or not, but it's just a little to perfect to be human. The voice spoke inside my head. This was not my gut feeling, inner monologue, sixth sense, training, whatever you want to call it. It was an outside voice that was not mine or from my thoughts, and it was beamed inside my head. All it said was turn around. At the same time it took to say turn around, maybe a second, simultaneously I saw my entire life flash in front of my eyes and then saw a Hispanic man in his thirties wearing blue jeans, Adidas shoes, and a red-plate long-sleeve lumberjack gang member, shirt walk up behind me and shoot me in the back of the head in the parking lot. It's like a thirty-three-year-long movie of my entire life, just played in half a second inside my head. So when a disembodied voice tells you to do something, you do it. So I turned around, and the exact person I saw in my vision of me dying, wearing the exact same clothes, with the exact same cars in the backdrop behind him, as we're in the vision, is walking up behind me and is about 15 feet from me. Exact person, like the guy from my vision, is now standing behind me. I confront him without pulling out my gun. 
and immediately can tell this dude is legit and is up to no good and is trying to purposely sneak up behind me. I am professional but firm, trying to address the situation and process what just occurred at the same time. I don't have time to deal with this guy and the two detained persons. The short of it is the two detained people are his friends, and he wanted to come see what was happening as he was concerned for their well-being. Yeah, no. He gets told to basically F off, or he's going to go to jail, and he agrees it's a good idea, and he walks away back into the parking lot and disappears from view amongst the cars. Like walks away easily 100 meters and appears gone. I go back to interviewing one half of this domestic, and about a minute later, the same thing occurs as the first time. Voice, vision, gang member, etc. Exact same thing. I turn around again and pull out my gun, and I regret to this day not pointing it at him and proning him out on the ground. I would love to know if he actually had a gun, but I suspect he did based on how he was walking, holding up his pants at the belt buckle, and moving behind me. I asked for my cover officer to expedite with lights and sirens, and the second this guy hears the sirens, he quickly walks into the store and disappears. Don't ask me why I didn't do what I knew was right and as I was trained to do. Point a gun at him and detain him, I just didn't. All I could think of is I just want this asshole away from my presence. I don't want to search him, get near him, talk to him, or deal with anything about him. All I want at this moment is for him to not exist and to be gone. He had a horrible energy to him, like an almost evil energy to him. I've only felt that type of energy coming from another person a few times in my life. People that have experienced this might know what I mean. That's it. Partner shows up, we deal with the couple. Male half goes to jail for beating on his girl and she goes about her business. I go into the store with my partner to look for the gun guy, and we never find him. He must have gone out the other entrance. Didn't mention it to anyone for years, and definitely not any other cops, as they would have taken me off the streets. Can't prove it occurred other than my word. One of the single craziest things that have ever happened to me. Heard other weird stories as a cop from other cops regarding hauntings and weird stuff. But I, this was the weirdest. Take the story as you will and hope you enjoyed it. It's true. My mom lives in Sun Valley in one of the last neighborhoods at the base of the Sawtooth Mountain Range. So to give a better idea, it's past Sun Valley Ski Resort on your way to Stanley Redfish Lake area, but a bit before Smiley Creek Lodge. Anyways, the house sits next to the road with a tree line in front of it, and across the way is wooded area with a small river running through it. My husband and I would spend many nights on the front porch with his mom, as she doesn't sleep much, and occasionally would sleep in the trailer out front, and every time you'd get this horribly uneasy feeling that something was watching you, there's plenty of wildlife out there, dear elk bears, raccoons, etc., that would come into the yard at night, but this being watched feeling always made you scan the trees. Like something was hiding in the trees, just watching us waiting. The most notable times it'd be the middle of summer, no wind, and you'd hear the trees rushing and see them moving as if something was moving in them, and we'd see a much darker figure moving about them. Tall, slender, if you ever heard of slender, man. 
This is what I can most relate the figure to. The nights we'd sleep in the trailer, you could hear something tapping on the doors and windows. We'd blame the trees, but the trees honestly weren't close enough to tap like that. And her dog would always run to the same spot in the front yard, backyard, and garage, and just start barking like there was an intruder every night. Sometime when you'd go to get the dog to stop barking, you'd hear something in the distance. Move off quickly would try to brush it off as wildlife, but it was always the same places, and it would be the darkest areas. Pretty sure the dog saw something we didn't. I've had other experiences with the dreaded feeling of being watched or followed and seeing a tall, slender shape amongst the trees, both in the Sawtooth Mountain Range, the South Hills' most creepy experience there, and my own neighborhoods in town. I really believe Idaho is full of cryptic, unknown creatures simply because of the emptiness and all the strangeness that Idaho seems to harness. Totally believe you guys ended up camping in something's home, and you were not welcome. Glad everyone is okay. So, I've always kind of been a nocturnal type, and once I graduated high school, it got even worse. Luckily, I had plenty of insomniac friends. We would frequently find ourselves driving down back roads from one friend's house to another, to go get fast food or just to find somewhere to hang out. So one night I'm with my friend Gigi and I worked in a haunted house together. His girlfriend was one of my best friends. We got along. We were driving to get something, an album or a pair of shoes or drumsticks, something inconsequential from our mutual friend B's house. B lived in a neighborhood that was fairly isolated. You had to take back roads to get there, and there wasn't much but woods and the occasional abandoned house or dilapidated barn between town and his neighborhood. So we pull into B's neighborhood in G's big truck, and standing right there in the middle of the road was this big F coyote, standing there on all fours with a bloodied, very visibly dead cat in its mouth. It dropped the cat and ran off, and we didn't think too much of it. Coyotes were common in the area. We got to B's house, grabbed what we needed, and left. On our way out of the neighborhood, we noticed that the cat was gone. Now that shook us up a bit. If you know coyotes, you know they're generally pretty scared of people unless they're desperate. And if they drop a kill because they've been spotted, they never come back to get it. They don't want to take the risk that the people will be there waiting. They can be smart like that. So we're driving along the back roads, not terribly far from where we saw the coyote, on our way to G's house. And standing on the side of the road on two legs is a huge coyote. I feel like if I had stood next to it, it would have been taller than me. That was unsettling enough, sure. Then the mother smiled at us. We booked it back to his place as fast as we could and spent the rest of the night unable to sleep waiting for sunrise so we could feel safe going to bed. At the time, we thought it was a S, but now I don't know. Not super scary, but just weird. I was out camping at a national forest with my friends at a designated spot with other campsites relatively near us. I was sleeping in a hammock about 30 feet away from everyone else I was with. They were intense. And the night went by as normal, but I woke up right as the sun rose at 5 a.m. 
I got out of the hammock and looked over at the people in spot next to us, about 100 or so feet away, maybe a bit more, and they were just chucking all their stuff in their tent, but weren't really talking that I could hear. So they chuck all their stuff in the tent and drive away. The door to the tent still open. We left the site around 11 a.m., and they hadn't come back. Side note, I was also kind of mad at them because they left a pizza on their picnic table and was sure it would attract unwanted animals. But it always just left me with a weird feeling because they just peaced out so quickly and left everything behind. You'd think they'd at least close the tent with all their stuff in it. So a little backstory. This is a story my dad has told me, mind you, many times. I've forgotten all about it until recently, and although I cannot vouch 100% for its authenticity, I have heard witnesses back it up. When my parents were much younger, they had a friend, David, whose family owned some property along a local creek with camping lots on it. Since David owned the whole place, he and my parents and his other friends had access to the best lot, which featured a particularly deep fishing hole, well over your head, six-plus feet deep. The other lots would be rented out in the summer. I've heard dozens of humorous and semi-paranormal stories about their antics when they were younger, but this story has always been told with a degree of solemnness. On one particular occasion, my parents, David, and others walked out to their usual spot to the dock that extends several feet out over the water. Someone had left behind a large fold-up bowie knife stuck into the dock. David, being angry that campers were trespassing onto his private lot, took the knife and tossed it into the deepest, murkiest part of the creek. The company joked about it as kids do and carried on through the rest of the night, fishing and partying. The next day, they all came back to clean up the lot and retrieve their left behind gear. Only the same exact knife was stuck into the same exact spot in the dock. Now it's totally plausible that someone dove out into brown, murky WWV waters to retrieve their lost knife and stick it back into the wood. In the early hours of the morning, but who would do such a thing? My dad says they left it there and eventually it disappeared or someone retrieved it. This story might not be as shocking as some others, but whenever I ask my dad to retell it, he turns totally solemn and swears it to be the truth. When I was 17, 25 years ago, my friend and I had gone camping next to a small river in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. The road in and out was several miles of dirt, logging road, and we were heading back in my Jeep. About halfway, we drove by what looked to be a body lying face down in the ditch. I slammed on my brakes, and we both looked at each other to confirm what we thought we saw. I threw it in reverse, and just as we pulled up beside the body, the dude jumped up and took off running into the woods, never to be seen again. Two years ago, I went to go visit family up in northern Minnesota around Labor Day weekend. I will not give the exact location, but will provide at least a general location where this happened. To keep this short, I'm hoping someone may have had a similar experience or may have a general idea what this thing or entity was walking around our tent. General location, 
Mary Brown Bridge, Minnesota. On that Labor Day weekend, my girlfriend and I were planning on spending time camping with her family. Both of us were very excited to get away from the everyday city life and anticipated a much-needed low-key weekend. We arrived at their location around noon on Saturday and were warm greeting by everyone there. During the day and evening, we were enjoying ourselves with random fun activities and catching up on how everyone was doing. As dusk started to settle in, we all were near the campfire for a few hours until 11 p.m. Eventually, the family and ourselves called it a night and headed to bed. My girlfriend and I were offered to sleep in a bigger size six-person earlier that day, from whom her relative, who I will call Mary. It was a kind gesture at the time, as we only brought a two-person-sized tent. Having that additional space for our belongings and our air mattress was a nice added feature. Mary's tent was positioned not too far from the campfire and the rest of family. The family did a wonderful job clearing and maintaining the area for their smaller RVs and additional tents. To the back of the tent, about 20 to 30 yards, is where the wood started with semi-thick brush and trees. Us three were laying down chatting, and eventually they both fell asleep. For some reason, I couldn't sleep, so I was on my phone passing time, hoping to eventually drift off to sleep. This is when I heard faint activity in the woods about 40 yards back. I dismissed right away as deer are known in this area and continued to space off on my phone, looking at random things. About 10 or 20 minutes later, I heard thing get closer to our tent. I could distinctly hear twigs snapping and moving between bushes getting closer to our tent clearing. This started to get my attention as I could start physically feeling a faint shake in the ground as this thing or entity was wandering around. Moments later, this thing was about ten yards away from our tent walking, running back and forth. Each step this thing took, I could physically feel the vibration from the ground. This thing was big. Best way to describe this feeling is if you went to live rock concert and felt the kick drum hit your body. At this point, I was a bit terrified as I was trying to follow the footsteps running walking at the back and the side of the tent. This entity or thing got at least five yards near our tent and suddenly stopped near Mary's side of the tent. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up, scared of what this thing was going to do next. I shit you not it. A few seconds later, Mary shot up from being dead asleep. She gasped for air and was calling our names to wake us up. You could hear in her voice she was terrified. This entity hightailed off back in the woods. Both of us were very startled at this point. The woods were dead silent and eventually had enough courage to look out the tent. We saw and heard nothing, and about 30 minutes later ran to their shop to grab a shotgun. Another anomaly during this whole thing, while we were alert and awake, Mary mentioned during this time I was awake, she was having a dream. She mentioned these entities were tormenting, her saying they want her soul, or wanting to kill her. Hmm. And to give it to them, my girlfriend dismissed the whole thing and said it was probably just a deer, etc., running around. After hearing my girlfriend say that, I never told anyone about this story. Until recently, as I started to think about it again, trying to figure out what the hell this thing or entity was. Camping in Olympic National Park, 
My buddy and I, the camp host, and one other group were the only ones there. When the sun went down, the other group started blasting Rob Zombie-type music and screaming at the top of the, their lungs at each other. Sounded like a bunch of scoundrels that hung out at the junkyard in the Chevy Chase Dan Aykroyd movie, Nothing But Trouble. We went into our respective tents and hoped we didn't get murdered. It finally stopped after a few hours for about 30 minutes until it started up again. I ripped a bowl and fell asleep. I was 14 miles into the backcountry alone in grizzly territory. After dealing with bugs and rain all day, I was annoyed, but I had a few beers, chilled out, and took in the sights of having somewhere so remote all to myself. Went to bed after sunset. In the morning, I was tossing and turning, and then suddenly heard huffing and snorting, literally outside my tent flap. I could hear the rocks being turned around and stepped on next to me. I never grabbed my beer spray and glasses so quickly. I was trying to keep composure, but paranoia was getting to me, and I was a long way from help. The animals huffed more and then moved on. I sat there for a minute, listening, and then slowly climbed out. Nothing to be seen. I walked to the food prep area. Nothing. As I was walking back to my tent, I saw two elk emerge from the bushes behind my tent, look at me, and then wander off into the woods. When I was about 14 years old, my friends and I would carry a bunch of gear to a camp spot we found on the lake that was maybe half a mile from my friend's house. One night, I woke up to rocks hitting the tent. The rocks were pretty big, some close to golf ball size. They also seemed to be coming from multiple directions. Me and my friends just huddled in the tent. One of my friends wanted to rush out, but we wouldn't let him. After several minutes of rocks hitting the tent, the rocks stopped. A few minutes later, we heard what sounded like a woman scream a few hundred yards down the beach. The next morning, my friend found his fishing pole on the ground near the tent broken in two places. To us, this ruled out a friendly prank. If it was friends of ours, they wouldn't purposefully break our fishing poles. It also indicated that whoever it was had walked around the camp before throwing rocks at our tent. Amazingly, that wasn't the last time we camped there. I grew up in North Texas, south of Fort Worth. We lived in a small town whose name... I will not mention. Initially, we lived in the town proper, which had plenty of weirdness. I could tell a lot of stories from locals about strange goings-on. Every once in a while, the town would be blanketed in a thick fog, and people always acted strange about it. But it wasn't until we moved out of town into a newly built subdivision along the highway that I really got it. The fog was so dense that we couldn't see the light of the town or the factories a couple miles away. Just pitch black, occasionally we couldn't even see the street light at the end of the cul-de-sac. The first time the fog rolled in while we lived there, I sat on the front porch, just enjoying the dark and the quiet, until the noises started. A couple streets over, I could hear what sounded like a small dog being torn to shreds. I heard them take a cat next. I would have assumed it was coyotes. I'd heard them take pets before. Except there was no accompanying chorus of howls. 
just the sound of animals in pain. I still get chills thinking about it. It happened every time the fog rolled in, as long as I loved there.